want you to know that as far as announcements, there's really one announcement, and that is uh, what's coming. Uh, it's called One Life, and I want you to know that this is not just a, a six-week sermon series. That's not what this is. One Life is, we really want this to be part of our DNA and all the campuses that we begin to focus on those that are trying to find their way to God and uh, to allow us to be the instruments to do that to help people. So that's coming, and uh, as I mentioned, uh, our invitation, I'm just going to let you know ahead of time in case you want to leave early. Uh, the invitation we're going to do a little bit differently uh, because, again, I understand the pressure when somebody's like, I want to give my life to Christ, and, and we always know, we want you to know that door is always open, but we're actually going to give you an opportunity to pray in groups and family units, and uh, uh, we didn't know how that was going to work for a service, and I just got to be honest with you, it was just amazing to see how God can work when we're in this together, and we are in this together. So let me pray, and then we'll get into God's Word. Heavenly Father, we just, uh, we cannot thank you enough for your love, your mercy, your grace, and the promise of eternity with you. And so, Lord, we know that uh, many people wrestle with uh, the question, what happens when I die? And Lord, there's, a, there's an amazing response from your Word, that when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, that there is... Uh, there is a doorway to eternity to worship you and to praise you every day for eternity. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Uh, this is the last part of the series. It's called Curious. And by far, uh, the number one asked question, and it came in a, a series of different ways, but the question was, what happens when I die? And I remember when I was a kid, uh, I had the favorite spot out in my yard that I used to just lay on my back, and I'd, I'd ask the, you know, life's most complicated questions like, you know, are the Cardinals ever going to win another World Series, or am I ever going to have a girlfriend? And, and then I would get down to the heavy stuff like, God, how did I get here? I mean, really, how did this whole thing start? Or, God, what happens when people die? I mean, everybody really does have that question, what happens when I die? And I've got some great news for you. You can take your scriptures and turn over to Revelation 21. And then over in the Old Testament is Isaiah 65. We're going to get to that in just a moment. Uh, but that's a good question. I want to share with you a phrase. A lot of you have probably heard the phrase. It's the phrase urban legend. And here's the definition of urban legend. It is a modern story of obscure origin with little or no supporting evidence that spreads spontaneously in varying forms and often has elements of humor or horror. So I asked this first service, and I got an overwhelming response. So say, yeah, how well you do. So I'm aware of our, in our area, there's some urban legends. Uh, this is an urban legend that I visited, broad daylight. I wouldn't go there at night. Uh, Step Cemetery. Have you ever heard of Step Cemetery? Good. What are some other area urban legends in, in this area? What are some other urban legends? Throw them out. Come on now. Tunnel. Tunnel. That came up. Todd, Tunnelton, anybody? How many's ever been in Tunnelton, the bridge down there? Good. Okay, any other urban legend? Okay, we live in a pretty boring area. Okay, so <laughs> I'm going to give you a couple of other examples of, of an urban legend. And here's the first, true or false, true or false, uh, do you think this is a Photoshop or it just actually happened? Let's show that. Okay, so it's a moose hanging from a pole. Okay, raise your hand if you think that's Photoshop. Raise your hand, Photoshop. I think that's true. Raise your hand if you think it's true. It is true. That actually happened. Uh, they were laying down all these poles. This moose got his uh, 
antlers stuck in the thing and uh, the lines took him straight up. And the crazy thing is afterwards, they named the moose. Anybody want to guess? Chocolate. I thought that was a strange name. Okay, you guys are really slow too. Okay. Now this one, I want you to think about this. This is, this is bizarre. This happened in 1999. Two young directors got together and they, they sketched out what they thought would be the ultimate scary movie and they used basically low-end cameras and they let the actors basically film the action. And when they got the actors, they paid them $1,000 a day and they said, uh, the only premise is you will not know what's coming, you'll write your own lines and you don't have to act scared, we will scare you. We're gonna go way out in the woods and let's just see what happens. $20,000, they edited it, and then they started this campaign behind the scenes before they released it. And they created a urban legend. They created this missing posters, looked very legit, and the internet was really starting to come on, so they had more and more people seeing if this was actually true. Then they went all over the country and they posted these missing posters on all these college campuses and basically said, you need to check this movie out to see if they found these kids. And the movie was The Blair Witch Project. Now, that movie for $20,000 made $248 million from an urban legend. Even the people who live in this little town tell you it drives them crazy, even today, people who show up looking for the witch. And how does that happen? Well, it happens because just like I share with that, just something that is spontaneous, varies in form with humor and horror, and it just spreads. Here's the sad truth. So many people look at heaven, and they treat heaven like it's an urban legend, like oh, I know there's a story out there about heaven. I know a lot of people talk about it, but do you really believe that? I mean, is it just fluffy clouds and angels and harps and just, is that all it is? Well, that's what we want to get into. Because when people say to anyone talking to you, what happens when I die? Boy, I hope you'll get into this. I want you to listen to this quote by David Lloyd-Jones. I love this. When I was a boy, the thought of heaven used to frighten me more than the thought of hell. I pictured heaven as a place where time would be perpetual services from which you would never escape. Let's be honest here. How many of you grew up in church? Raise your hand. How many when you were a kid were ever bored in church? Like right now. Okay, so you, you know what that was like. And back in the day, I'm going to sound like an old man, uh, and we were laughing in between services. People were swapping stories. I remember back in the day, you, your goal was to get away from your parents. Like, that was a big day in church when you didn't have to sit, like for me, my mom. And, but you never got far enough that some other parent would pick you off. That was just common knowledge. And I still remember one day, Mr. Wirtz, one of the guys in church, rolling up four bulletins. To, it was an artful thing. Rolled it out and just poked two, three of us, like in the back of the head. And you're like... Why would that happen? Well, that was just normal. And one of the parents afterwards said, did you ever have your mother pinch you on the tender skin of it? How many of you have had that happen? Yeah, now they call it abuse. To me, that was just normal behavior. You know, why? Because you'd sit in church, and, I, and then as a kid, you actually had this idea, is heaven going to be like this, like all day long? And so I love that quote because I think, we need to step back and say, oh, no, man, you need to get in God's word. Because what he tells us is this is an amazing place. First Peter 1 Peter 1.3 says, praise be to God 
and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, because in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, do you understand that promise? He said, if you believe in this word and you believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you need to also understand that you too are going to experience a resurrection. And that resurrection is heaven. Matter of fact, here's what we know about how indescribable heaven really is. In 2 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 4, Paul talks in third person. And he said, if I wanted to boast, I would just tell you that 14, 16 years ago, I would just tell you this, that I was in a place that was beyond description. I was in a place, heaven, that I, I can't even utter the words of how amazing that place was, but I don't want to boast that I've been there before. And then we all know this remarkable verse, very short, but it tells a story. Philippians 1.3, for me to live is Christ, to die is what? Gain. You notice what he says? Listen, I've seen heaven, and I wrestle every day with, Lord, if you want to keep me here, keep me here, but I am ready, and I am so ready to go home. We need to understand that this place is real. This morning, we're going to celebrate the unbelievable, indescribable, eternal home called heaven. Now, I know a lot of you love to take notes, so here's the first point here, and I love this, is that when you think of heaven, think of these words, new and improved, new and improved. Revelation 21, let's start there in verse 1. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard about a loud voice in a throne saying, Look, God is the dwelling place now among the people. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And he who has seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it's done. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the string of water of life. New. Verse 1, the new heaven and the new earth. Verse 2, the new Jerusalem. Verse 5, I am making everything new. Now, don't we love new? I mean, just think about the obsession we have with new. We love the smell of a new car. Don't you just love that smell? I love the smell. I remember uh, when our kids were babies, when you give them a bath and you throw the powder and stuff on them and you hold them up, they just smell good. Like Caleb, my son, put a little spot of brood on their bad boy. I mean, it was just, we love, we love new. Fill in the blank. What is it you love that's new? Clothes, furniture, books. I had a good friend, he was a minister. He'd get a new book. I can still remember, he'd break it open. He'd, and he's, he goes, I just love the smell of a new book. I mean, it was just strange, but we love new. So I asked this uh, first service, and we just asked for repentance on the spot. But how many of you this week bought something new you absolutely did not need? You just wanted to buy. Raise your hand. Come on, sinners. Okay, yeah. 
we all love to buy new stuff, and we defend it, but at the end of the day, it's because we want something new. We all know that craving to have something new. 2 Corinthians, I absolutely love this. 2 Corinthians 5, starting verse 7, says, We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident. And I say I would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. Let me pause there. You know what he's talking about? When you go to heaven, we will have a new body. Now, I don't know about you, but as I get older, that is good news. You know what I'm saying? I don't know about you, but it wasn't that long ago I got out of the shower, looked in the mirror, and I'm like, oh, Lord, read deal. I mean, you just think, oh. Maybe some of you had that experience. I mean, it was embarrassing the time I got out of the shower, and there's my dog. He's passed away since, but he, he looks at me, and he's like, puts his paws over his eye, runs the living room. You know, I was like, seriously. It's a, we all understand. Matter of fact, here's a, here's a great phrase. In heaven, there are no more, ready, diets. Never again. No more dies. This body that we have, we can't even describe how amazing this is going to be. And it's just like rapid fire. He needs to, he's just saying over and over again, this place that Jesus has promised us, man, everything is new. Nothing will ever rust. Nothing will ever break. Nothing will ever be tagged used. Everything is new all the time. It is new. It's that kind of place. It, again, is a place beyond description. Now, it's interesting. All the questions that came in about what happens when I die, you want to know what the number one asked question was about uh, death? Will there be animals in heaven? That was a big question. Is there going to be animals in heaven? So this is just my personal perspective, okay? I could be wrong, or you could be wrong. Most likely, you'll be wrong. But anyway, here's, here's what I think. I'm just going to lay it out. Here's what I think. Uh, I truly believe because it says that uh, paradise means garden. I always think the garden of Eden. And I think when we lived in the perfect world, when man, before it was broken, were there animals? Absolutely. Man was just unified with the animals. And I think it was amazing what was going on with the animals. And I love what R.C. Sproul said. He said, I believe God knows this about me. He said, I have this dog, my favorite dog, I believe his name was Champ, and he knows that that dog brought me so much joy. And I know that God loves me so much that if that's what it takes to bring me joy, I think, and I don't know how he's going to work it out, but I think Champ's going to be there. Now, I've got to be honest with you. I truly believe there's going to be animals in heaven. Because why wouldn't we have animals in heaven? Matter of fact, isn't it amazing to think about a place where you have animals and there's no violence? where you can walk up to a lion, run your, just your fingers down the mane, put your nose on his nose, or like get a snake and jump rope. I mean, just, just let your mind go and just think, man, that's what God can do. That's what, I believe that's what God is going to do. I think he's going to create this place that just everything we can possibly imagine, those barriers have come down. What a place. And then, again, if you take a notes, number two is the nose habit. Here's what I mean by the nose I think heaven is so beyond our imagination, and we have amazing imaginations. I think it's so far beyond that. I think what God does in his word is he steps back and he says, instead of me telling you what heaven is going to be like, let me just tell you the things that are not going to be in heaven. Because when you realize what's not in heaven, you're going to want to go there. 
and you're going to want to take as many people as you can with you. So in Isaiah 65, that is written somewhere between six and 700 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah paints this picture of the new heaven and the new earth. In Isaiah 65, let me start in verse 17. I love this. He says, see, I will create a new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create, for I will create Jerusalem to be the delight of its people. Did you notice what he said? There will be, first of all, no memories of past pain. As beautiful as life is, what is hard about life is we all have memories. We have scars that were physical. We have scars that are emotional. And as much as we would love to forget about past failures and regrets, we don't. And he said, let me tell you, when you get there, those memories don't exist. Verses 19 and 20, I love this. He says, never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not live out his years. The one who dies at 100 will be a thought, a mere child. And the one who fails to reach 100 will be considered accursed. You notice what he says? You don't ever have to live through the pain that every parent or grandparent dreads, a child or a grandchild that dies before you. You never have to deal with what I would call out-of-order living, and we've all been there. Those times when we step back and say, well, the, the order is supposed to be this. It's, a not, it's not supposed to be this way. Aaron, Adrian Rogers, excuse me, Adrian Rogers uh, is a passed away uh, minister. He was in the Memphis area at a huge church, uh, Baptist church, uh, an amazing speaker. And he shared this uh, example. And boy, I thought, man, I have been there. I remember so fondly what he shared. He said that um, when he got out of uh, Bible college, young man, he's in his 20s, and he's at this little bitty country church, and he got a phone call one day, and he said it was a buddy of mine that I'd gone to college with who had moved uh, several states away. And he said, Adrian, uh, there's a, an old gentleman He's just probably got days to live. He's got a terrible heart condition, and he lives really close to your church. Um, it would mean a lot to me if you could just pay him a visit. And he said, sure, I'll do that. Now, a few years ago, uh, there was something uh, in the church called cold turkey calling. Cold turkey calling is you just show up. You don't call, you just show up. And let me tell you, it is terrorizing because you don't have any idea what that person on the other end and how they're going to respond, but that's what he did. And he knocks on the door. This older gentleman takes a long time, gets to the door, and he said, a good friend of mine wanted me to come visit with you. And, um, and then he realized, I've only got a short time to get to the truth. And he said, so I just got to be honest with you. I know you've got a heart condition. I know life right now is very difficult, but I want to share with you the hope of Jesus Christ. And I want to share with you today that you can accept Christ. What would you like to do? <laughs> I mean, it's about that quick. And the older gentleman said, I would like that. And so he brought him to Jesus Christ. And he called his buddy. He said, man, I'm so excited what happened. Within a week, he got another phone call. His young friend in his 20s died of a heart attack, a freak heart condition. 
And that older gentleman who came to Christ lived for several years. Haven't we all experienced the that doesn't make any sense moments in our life? It's not moments when we're angry with God. It's just moments when we're like, God, this hurts so bad and this doesn't seem like it's in order. And Isaiah says, in heaven, that's never going to happen again. Now pick it up in verse 21. They, speaking of us, they will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards. They will eat the fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will enjoy the work of their hands. They will not labor in vain. Uh, this is a big deal. Because there are people, and I don't know why, I think it's because of what the artist renderings of heaven, they really think, and they paint this picture like heaven is boring, like you're just floating around in this fluffy cloud. I mean, really? I mean, if you think about it, God builds us to work. Isn't that true? I mean, if you think about, again, the Garden of Eden, do you think he said, Adam, just kick back? No, no, he put him into motion. But it was work that was satisfying. How many of you have ever had a job that you couldn't stand because at the end of the day you thought this job isn't helping anyone raise your hand if you've ever had a job how many of you you don't say you're in it right now but we've all had work that was in what vain you just go you come home and you're just empty because that work was in vain but then we've had jobs in our life that you can't wait to get up you know jobs that I always say those are the jobs you don't need an alarm you're up you're ready to go because there's meaning behind it i got to tell you, I can't imagine the work that God's going to have us do. And then verse 25, I love that picture. He says, the wolf and the lamb, they will feed together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox, and the dust will be at the serpent's, will be the serpent's food. There's no violence in heaven. The peace that is in heaven is beyond description. And then the parallel that, if you notice in Revelation, he says the same phrase, that he will wipe away every tear. No tears. There's no more tears from phone calls, emails, or texts that crush our spirit. Tears when we hear about a family member or friend who's moving. Or tears from a family member in crisis. Or tears because your body is failing you. No. No more tears of brokenness or weakness or emptiness. No more tears. And ultimately... No more death. You'll never get that call again. You'll never have to go to a funeral home again because the best is yet to come. I heard of a 94-year-old man that was uh, at a funeral home. He's going to the visitation. He's standing with a friend, and he leaned over to his buddy, and he said, Boy, I hope I go soon. I'm afraid all my family and friends are wondering if I'm going to make it. And a lot of people feel that way. But the older they get and their bodies begin breaking down, they're like, Lord, I'm just so ready to go home. And we know what it is. All of us have tasted death, and we don't like it. Keith Green, when I was in college, was who I listened to all the time. Some of you have no idea who that is, and you need to look him up, Keith Green. Uh, one of the most convicting uh, artists, Christian artists I've ever heard. He had a song called, I Can't Wait to Get to Heaven. I just want to read just a part of the the chorus that I absolutely love. Seaside, sunset, silver linings all around. 
The clouds, birds fly, singing makes such a joyful sound. Thoughts of heaven somehow seem to fill my mind, but I can't even imagine what I'm going to find. I can't wait to get to heaven. When you wipe away all my fears, in six days you created everything, but you've been working on heaven 2,000 years. In six days you created everything, but you've been working on heaven 2,000 years. Folks, do the math. This is going to be a pretty remarkable place. This is the place that he's promised us. He's promised everyone in this room. Uh, the description I love describing Jesus and heaven is the bride. And I, I know, I know when John wrote that 2,000 years ago, he knew that image is never going to go away. I mean, we get it. We know there's something powerful about a bride. Now, uh, a week ago, um, I had a wedding. It was Dylan Ramey, and uh, he married Mackenzie Crow, uh, Brad and Gina's daughter, Mackenzie. Brad was a train wreck, just to be honest with you. Uh, I knew what he was going through, and uh, I saw him just minutes before the, the ceremony started. I said, how'd you do with the first look? And he said, put his hand up. He goes, don't want to talk about it. I said, I understand. Trust me. I know, I know what you're feeling. So I'm... Uh, the, the ceremony gets started a few minutes late, and as the ceremony is unfolding, you know, it, it hits the crescendo, and uh, here comes Bride, everybody stands up, and they have a runner, and so the runner is, you know, they're unfurling the runner, and as they're unfurling it, I'm standing there, and I'm looking at the door, and I'm just about ready to give it the everybody stand up, and then Brad just uh, disappears. I'm like, well, that's strange, you know, and then uh, <clears throat> I see him come back, he's kind of shaking his head, and he doesn't really look at McKenzie, puts his arm there. And then he starts his walk down the aisle. After the wedding, I said, man, was everything okay? And he said, yeah, until she had that stupid runner. And I said, well, what was wrong with the runner? I want to show you what Lindsay did for him. Yeah. Dad, I'm going to have a hard time. Of all the walks, this was my favorite. Every dad here, you know what that, that's not fair. Let me just say that is not even fair. And he finished the story, and I said, don't even tell me that again, because that's Christ. And I believe the day, the moment, the moment we leave this world, I believe we're going to hear a voice that says, of all the walks we've ever taken, this is going to be the best walk we've ever had. Do I believe in heaven? 100% absolutely this is the real deal. This is what we live for. We live for heaven. And we will walk with him. It's the hope beyond the grave. So this morning we're going to do something just a little bit different if a, with our invitation. I realize how difficult it is on a Sunday when we say, if you need Jesus Christ to come forward, because that's like asking you to step in front of everyone, and that, that takes so much courage, and I understand that. So today I want you to know it's twofold. If there's anyone here, of course, if there's anyone here that needs Jesus Christ, we're here to help you take that journey. We're here side by side with you. But I believe two are better than one. And so we're going to have an extended time, and I want you as groups I want you as groups. So we have some, a prayer team that's going to be at different areas of the room. 
And I want you, if you want to move together as a life group, if you want to move together as a family, but I'd love for you, if you want to just stand up where you're at, whatever you want to do, whatever you sense God leading you to do, do. But here's what I want you to pray. Lord, first of all, I want to thank you for heaven. In your groups, I just want you, I want to thank you for heaven. And then, Lord, I'm silently lifting up somebody I know that right now they don't know you. They don't know about heaven. I want to be in heaven with them. Okay? You don't have to do this by yourself. But we just want to give you time to allow God to move through you and just to pray with others about heaven and about those who desperately need the hope of Jesus Christ in heaven.